There it is. I think that. I think that'll do it. That'll do it. Welcome to Bot Heaven, everyone. We've got Austin on the sound effects. We got me on the couch. <laughs> and the moment you've all been waiting for. Eric's beautiful face. <laughs> Whoa. Yikes. He's actually in the picture this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to sit out here for some reason. Yeah. So he's here I am. Me. So. Welcome, Eric. Hi. For the first time ever. I mean, we only live together, but yeah. Hi, hey, my name's Devin. Nice to meet you. Nice to oh, meet crap. You. I think I got COVID. Oh, Don't no. shake hands. We all got yeah. COVID. Sorry. This is going to do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. You know, they might be mad at us for, for COVID purposes, but... That's why we're I, next to each other in the car. We live together. So really, we're... I really got nothing to say. They live together and I'm over here. Yeah, that's why six he, feet. He's quarantined. Mm. <laughs> There's a uh, invisible barrier here that kills all bacteria that yeah, is dude. expelled from the nose. Bacteria killed. Yep. Yes. So, well, welcome, Eric. We have our first guest on the show. This is a very special moment. Eric, thank you for joining us. Hey, no problem. Putting up with all of our crap. <laughs> Every week, every weekend, and carrying yeah. a table that Austin was supposed to bring and forgot Whoa. from Home Depot to the car. Little details. And Devin, thank you for providing the funds. Yes, for the for for a table. The show must go on. If you'd like to leave us a donation, <laughs> fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't. We don't have, have a nothing. patron set up yet. So uh, Cash App, uh, yeah, OnlyFans, OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> 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 we should be out on the television. Yeah, we're going to put out a calendar. <laughs> yes. I think so many people would buy that. A calendar. <laughs> yeah. Chances are I'm going to have to take all the pictures. So, Yeah, he's he's the sexiest out of all of us. So. Oh, yeah, well, that no, beard, no, dude? No, no, no. I'm behind the camera. Oh, That's I what see I'm what saying. you're saying. Yeah. Right. No, dude. So who's who's going to be the models? With a shirt like that, man, <laughs> and a beard like those braids, dude. That is out of control, man. Yeah. I, I wish I could braid my beard like that. I'll take, probably never be able to do that. Yeah, just you just got to let it go, let it grow. No, take care of it. How long did it take you? Oh, geez, I I lost track somewhere in the year and a half range, and I think it's Dude. I think the chin is somewhere in like the three year range or something like that. Three years, and uh, the outsides have been catching up, so I got this weird little like chop thing going, but. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So if I were to grow a beard as magnificent as that, what would I do? Um, you would take oil and probably balm at the same time. Use that mm. at least once a day. Okay. Um, don't be too aggressive with it. Gotcha. Wash it once a week. I love how he looked at you when he said that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, don't be too aggressive with <laughs> don't it. Don't be too aggressive with <laughs> it. Don't rip your hair out. Yeah, because that, that helps. Um <laughs> Dude. Wash it once a week. If you like get sweaty or you like get oily or something, you can condition it like basically daily. That keeps it can't softer. Use shampoo. Um, don't. Okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, your face, your face, oddly enough, is more sensitive than your scalp. 
So shampoo is designed to like rip all this crap out of your scalp. That's kind of deep in there and yeah. that'll be way too aggressive on your face and then your hair will just start falling out. Yeah. So, cause uh, I, I thought you were supposed to wash your hair every day for a long time. Mm-mm. And then, right. that was another thing I found out when I started doing all this stuff, they're actually like, yeah, your hair probably treat it similarly to your beard. And I was like, Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Is that why I'm balding? Just all the shampoo that you've been using. I bet that's it. Dude. That doesn't help. Usually, well, usually, you know, you're using too much shampoo is if you forget to shower one day or forget to shampoo one day. And it's just like the oiliest, greasiest mess mm. that you just don't want to go anywhere near and you feel just gross. Yeah. That's because your head is just desperately trying to put oil just on that stuff and you oil. keep peeling it off. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, uh, that's, that's where that comes from. Even my sister has been like, yeah, if I just don't shower one day, I can't stand it. It's so oily. It's like, yeah, I used to do that. And then I just started shampooing once a week and now it's, now <laughs> What's it's my a sister. My sister. Oh. This, everybody's head works like that. Well, I mean, usually girls are really in tune or women are really in tune with, like that whole beauty thing. And I feel like that was the first time I ever heard about this idea of not washing your hair every single day was from a girl. Well, my sister has a pixie cut, so that might have something to do with that. That she, mm. she takes care of it a little bit differently as a result. Yeah. That's the first place I heard it too. Yeah. It's yeah. from my first girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> But, I, but I didn't believe her. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you not washing your hair? I just thought it was because they had so much more hair. And it took forever, mm. and that's why they didn't do it. Well, yes and no, but yeah, it's probably yeah. a little bit of both. Yeah, to take care of a long hair like that, as I'm starting to learn, yeah. um, growing it back out again, at least part of it. Right. Um, yeah, it's you. You <clears throat> kind of want to start obsessing over it if you want to get past a certain length, and then of course, the thing that starts sucking about having long hair is that you see all the sheddings. Yeah, and it, yeah. your bathroom is just. <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but yesterday, um, I went in the bathroom and I caught it. Like I was walking past the mirror and I caught like a big old hair hanging in my beard. I was like, a big old what hair. The heck? And I pulled it out and it's like Eric's size. Like, how does Eric's hair chin. get? In? Yeah, yeah. How does Eric's hair get in my beard? You remember yeah. that one episode where I pulled a hair out of your forehead? <laughs> there was a I hair. Think I was there for that. You said that exactly the same way. You're like, I think it was a big old hair. It's a big old hair. Big old gnarly <laughs> hair. He's plucked it out, man. Yeah. I don't have a bing sound. Oh, I guess I do now. Yeah. yeah well, Get the just... drops. <laughs> I'll cut that one out. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So. 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 We used to be in a band. Yes, we did. Once upon a time. We've talked a little bit about that in the podcast before. He's why we were good. And Eric's the only reason that we were any good. And I think big part of the reason that we, we stood out at like the Hawthorne Theater and stuff, like it was kind of interesting to watch the looks on people's faces when they heard our shit. Cause it was just seemed like you go to the Hawthorne Theater and you see all the bands that are coming up there and like they're all kind of sound the same. It's like right. either just like loud punk rock or just like lots of screaming and like. Shouting, uh, shouting, I mean, screaming is a stretch. It's yeah, it was <laughs> shouting, <laughs> you know, and they're all hyped up and playing at like 200,000 beats per minute, which is blast beat every chance they get. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but we kind of, you know, we I think you know, we stood out because uh, 
like our song Jettison, especially, it's like a progressive metal song pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. And we were a rock band or like, that's what everybody called us. But when we were in band practice, we would come up with shit and, uh, me and Devin and Michael would usually be pretty happy with the way it was moving. Cause we were just happy to be playing in a, in a rock group and like playing music that sounded like all the bands that we listened to. But you always thought forward and you were like, yes. no, we gotta, we gotta stand out somehow. We gotta make this different from what's, cause I like all these artists that come to the studio today are like cookie cutter. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's not hard to, well, it is kind of hard, but. It's pretty hard, but it's not super hard today with the tools that we have available to like create kind of a funnel mm-hmm. of production to where like, you know, every, every artist kind of sounds the same. So it's yeah. easy to come up you with have a, a how-to sheet on how to make a song. Pretty much. Yeah. A tutorial, so yeah. to speak. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that's great when you're like working on stuff and there's a certain point where that's like you, you got to when you're working, especially because you, you know this because you're actually in it professionally now. Yeah. Um, is that you got to have a workflow. You got to get stuff out at a certain rate. Otherwise you're not going to be able to get to everything else or you're going to start losing artists and they're That's not, really, you know, you're not going to have room for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time on a creative side, that's a really bad place to let yourself settle into. Yeah. If you're, especially if you're like a songwriter or something like, like that. Definitely. So, yeah. uh, cause it's like, it only lasts so long before it's just kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah. I think it's really important to maintain kind of like a mindset where you're considering all the options when you're creating music. Yeah. And I think you brought that to the band because you came from a background of playing in music and you were actually in a couple different bands when yeah. Silver Remains was playing and you'd play, you know, you'd open up for our band with, <laughs> with the... You know I, I played in all three bands at one of the shows. Yeah. I remember that is cool, man. Wizard hobo, and then I was like in another band, and then I had to come on Silver Remains. It was that's right. It was weird. Uh, and I was like, yeah, so I'm not the same guy. Uh, <laughs> I just look like him. He's yeah. my uh, evil twin. Dude. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that was cool. Silver. So. <laughs> When we started, you were really young. Mm-hmm. So when I was at like Silver, 13. was actually kind of the first. Yeah, um, I think. Well, gosh, the first like incantation before it was like officially Silver Remains. I think you were like eleven, twelve, or something like that. Damn, like it was. Yeah. It was still. We were like, wow, Austin's like way too. We were kind of like bringing it up, but it's like, man, he's like super young right now. Dude, I don't even like hardly remember that. I just remember yeah. playing at bars when I was thirteen. Yeah, so I tell people I was thirteen. Yeah. When we- Cause I remember, uh, I think, uh, Michael brought it up cause you just like, I think he started like hearing us play and then you're like, all like, yeah, I'm going to play stuff like that. It's so cool and everything. And it's yeah, like the whole dude. big brother looking up thing. And I mean, we were all super young at that point, but we were already at the point where we were kind of like, you know how three years is like a freaking millennia when you're 14. Yeah. <laughs> so we were like, yeah. man, Austin's not ready for this stuff right now. No dude. And I totally wasn't like, like. I don't know. Well, I guess I was ready to do that, but I definitely mm-hmm. wasn't ready to do what I'm doing now. At, right. At that age. Yeah. Plus, eventually, eventually we, we were hearing you play yeah. and eventually it got to the point where we we're just like, okay, I think it's been long enough. Austin yeah. should probably get in here because we could, we could use some more, uh, some more guitar. Uh, uh-huh. so. yeah. We're like, we need a lead guitarist. We're just like, who could it be? And then in the other room, Austin's just sitting there shredding and we're like, <laughs> 
And then in my brain, I'm like, no, there's no way that I'm going to, I don't want my little brother. In the pockets. <laughs> I'm still like, you're already in there with your twin brother. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, it's kind of his idea. Yeah. Michael was a little <laughs> bit, I think a little more forward thinking than that. I was just like, <clears throat> that was a whole reason he learned bass. Yeah. We, we were screwing around. We were playing like, Iron Man. Like I was, I literally like knew like this much guitar and he knew like approximately that much drumming. Yeah. Right. And so we were just like, let's try to play together. Yeah. And we were so bad, but like Michael thought it was so cool. And he's like, dude, I'm going to learn bass. We're going to do this. Thing. <laughs> was, yeah. He comes running was, downstairs. Yeah. I'm going to learn bass. Cause all he could play at that point was piano. That's yeah. right. So yeah, we played Iron Man. And Damn. I wish then, we could have had him on today. Well, we'll get the full band on. Someday. Yeah. Sure. We'll have to. We don't have room. We don't have enough rooms. My inputs. <laughs> well, I we kind of do, but we kind of don't. So there it is. Make it work. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. but um, yeah, that was great. And so that's kind of when that whole thing started. And um, so Eric was kind of a little more forward thinking, I think, from having a background in yeah. the art school, right? Because you went to art school when you were younger. So what was that like? What did you get? Because you played saxophone. Yeah, I, I ended up learning saxophone a little bit later on. Okay. Uh, partially because I remembered my dad played it back when he was in high school and he met my mom oh, and all okay. that. But yeah. um, it was actually kind of the other way around. I was I was attending art school, elective school. So you do, it's, you know, there's like videography and stuff like that. Photography, visual arts, obviously. Yeah, literary, uh, music, dance, yeah. theater. Those are the big ones. Um and so all the kids kind of, we had our uh, categories that we always tried to kind of fit into. Uh-huh. And I was kind of like, oh, sweet. I get to work with computers and stuff and, and moving image arts for videography. Uh, found out I'm not that into like movies and sitting down and like analyzing that kind of thing. Is that what the school was all about? That Well, you had to, it, it wasn't so much just creating it, but it was also appreciating art. Mm. It, was okay. a big, it was a big thing Got that it. you kind of learned about. And so <clears throat> as a result, I've kind of gained a perspective when I see a lot of different stuff of there's a lot more intention. Yeah. Even when it, there's some bizarre music I listen to and Devin's just like, this just sounds like the furthest thing from a good song possible. <laughs> and I'm listening to it and I'm like, there's a lot of like real specific and real intentional stuff. And I, I kind of dig it. Yeah. But there's that. But he's, he's just... My my palate's not as refined as yours. Is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. I th- I think some stuff just doesn't resonate with some people. Yeah, yeah. and I I can feel that. Too, yeah, definitely. Um, but I I gained a, a more of an analytical perspective eventually. Yeah. Um, but starting the band actually happened before I really started getting into the music side of thing in school. Yeah. Oddly enough, that's a what good example me. of that. Yeah. I was playing Many Men by 50 Cent earlier. Yeah. Which is like total gangster rap song. And that's so cool to me because like 50 Cent <laughs> is a real ass gangster. And he's telling these stories. These these old songs from 50 Cent are like his stories from like probably lyrics he was writing while he was fucking slinging dope and shit. Like, yeah. like that's, that's really cool to listen to for me. But, you know, for you guys, you guys are just kind of like, all right, you know. Just yeah. kind of loud. Yeah. <laughs> it's loud. Yeah. I mean, oh. I, I get it. It's the whole poetry and motion thing. I can understand why people enjoy uh, gangster rap and different types of rap. I yeah. mean, I've listened to a little bit of Oliver Tree lately, which is not like the I'm trying to impress you type of stuff. Yeah. And it's not gangster necessarily, but it's it's a different perspective and I can appreciate 
what he's done yeah. with, uh, within that. He's kind of got a unique, uh, approach to it. Very, he's very much in the melancholy <clears throat> of the uh, millennial generation. So I think I've just done too many drugs and what? I think I just, you know, <laughs> just, just have such an open mind now. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just love all types of music, yeah. but so, okay. So then we did the whole band thing mm-hmm. and, uh, you switched to mechanics for music. You started working on cars instead. Outside of, yeah, after high school, we gave we gave the band some more time. My parents were like, we'll let you, you know, stay here and everything because you seem pretty serious about this, but, you know, we can't let you do it forever. So it's yeah. like, okay, well, that's fair. We'll give it a shot, see, okay. what, see what happens. And and we all know how that story ended up. Yeah. Um, you know, just not reliable people couldn't yeah. keep a singer yeah yeah we just couldn't keep a lead singer yeah yeah we kept bailing we got tired of looking <laughs> so let's go make some money yeah during that i did end up getting like, we'll say an apprenticeship to work with a guy to start like learning how to work on cars which yeah. as i kind of found out very much works with my brain. Uh-huh. So it was just like first day, it was just like, oh yeah, okay. That's how, that's like, that's why you have a head Dude. gasket there. This is how a car works. This oh. is See, this is that, how big the pistons are type of thing. And it just clicked. Like I can so relate to that, like jumping into the studio the first day with Dave. Because like after a while, you know, I, I was kind of stuck in rock and roll. Mm-hmm with silver remains and stuff. And I was really just listening to a lot of rock, writing a lot of rock music. But then I started listening to some other shit. And I think I got out of that by just, um, uh, by doing music production because you kind of have to have that all encompassing mindset when you're thinking about that stuff. Cause music production software isn't built for rock and roll. It's not mm-hmm. built for pop. It's mm-hmm. not built for EDM. It's built for music. Yeah. You know, and so you have to figure out how to fit what you're doing in that box mm. or find the box to fit it in, you know, yeah, in all those, in, in, in all those plugins and stuff. But, you know, that just kind of, that stuff came to me really naturally. And granted, I had been doing music production at home, making beats and stuff for five years before that. Mm-hmm. And I was in the band and I got, when I was in the band and I saw how you were thinking when we were writing songs, I was like, okay, I'm going to need to learn music theory at some point. Yeah. That's yeah. That was, uh, that was a very much a a big sticking point when I was in recording arts at school. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that, that's kind of how the software, you know, works is it's based off of theory because theory is such a, you know, is, is the only common theme between all music, I think. Yeah. And yeah. I, I remember in my, um, senior project, I, I ended up doing this big old study on, uh, like, like how music and how music became to be with the brain nowadays. And a lot of it's just based on familiarity. Yeah. So if there's a song or a, a genre, especially you can see this with like metal heads or people that really don't like country or really don't like rap type of thing. Yeah. Um, then the more you kind of hear the same thing, the more you're kind of satisfied by it mm-hmm. in a certain sense, even if you don't think it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, because metal's kind of a lot of it, like, you know, new metal did this a ton, but it kind of starts to blend together yeah. a lot. 
Um, a lot of the modern pop stuff, a lot of the modern, whatever is popular in each genre yeah. kind of sort of copies itself. I mean, you can see this happen in the country where it's starting to imitate, um, the West coast style of yeah. pop music, even though most of it's based in Tennessee. Right. Um, but okay. that's, that's kind of where music theory kind of had to be, uh, I guess institutionalized. I'm trying to find a good word for that. Like mm. it, you, you basically put it in a tech book, textbook, you make yeah. it a science. You as know. opposed to an art yeah, and you actually have an explanation of what's going on. And so therefore that's your rules. Yes. Yeah. You've got 12 notes. You've got so many octaves within the human hearing range mm-hmm. and you've got rhythm. You've got meter. Everyone knows what meter is at four, uh, four. That's, one, two, three, that's four. four, four is just super common. Like 99.9% of songs. Very Everybody common. knows how to count to four, four. Yeah. And what right. you do within that, you can do a lot. You'll eventually run out, yep. but it's going to sound really similar. That's right. And, like I remember I learned how to play drums on rock band and eventually got to play on Devin's kid a couple times. And it's like, it's so much of it's like the same thing yeah. in, uh, yeah. in typical rock and roll and pop stuff. Mm-hmm. It's true, man. And I think, you know, when I, <laughs> when I jumped into the studio, I realized that the process doesn't exactly go how I thought it would. You know, I knew how to play guitar and mm-hmm. when we get a band together, you do this, you do this, and you do this, and we all kind of know what section of the music that we handle. Mm-hmm. But in the studio, in the industry, it's usually here's a beat, you know, here's a singer, here's a drummer, let's put them on this track together, you know, and there's a lot of production that goes into the project to enrich it like digitally, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But, um, I kind of forgot where I was going with that. Um, no, I mean, like, you got to be able to, in order to be a, in the studio chair, in the studio um, producer chair, it, you got to be able to know all the different, all the different, you know, you know, you know vocals you need to know. Because, like, for me, as a drummer, mm-hmm. it is really hard for me to kind of portray my thoughts in my brain, like I hear a melody line or I hear, I don't know, maybe a riff. That's where I was getting for me to actually like tell you uh-huh. is what I want you to do. Try this. Right. I have to go look through my library of music and find something and go that right there. Yeah. You know, do and something even like then that. it's not even that now I have to be, so just being able to, it's just like speaking multiple languages Oh, uh, you know, you well, know. music theory is the language yeah. that communicates right. it. And, you know, so I get in the studio and I'm like, okay, so now I have, instead of having a band with, you know, parts with, with, with their parts memorized, I have to figure out how to communicate this idea to them. And I'm like, and I have to tell them how to play the song. Yeah. So I'm like, how do I do that? And <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. There's there's a language that speaks that it's a universal language because it's understood mathematically, yeah. you know, intervals and, and all that. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for yeah completing that now. thought for me. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's part of it. You know, just like as as a personal trainer, the best you need to know how to explain things. You know, you need to be able to take what's inside your head and communicate it to 
your client. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be able to do that. And that's what makes a good trainer. That's what makes a good, you know, producer. That's what is being able to take what's inside your head yeah, and accurately educate and portray this to the other person. Yeah. You know, and it's, yeah. it's pretty big. That reminds me of being in dance because that was a lot of the same type of thing is especially with choreography. It was just physical movement mm-hmm. and you felt like, especially when you're doing like, we always did like warm up sections and whenever you're doing something, you feel like, Oh man, mine, I'm way bent over, but it's like, no, you need to be at 90 degrees. Mm, yeah. And so they'd actually, you know, if you didn't get it right away, they'd kind of gently nudge you down if you're sure. flexible enough and yeah. be like, this is where you're going to be. <clears throat> and then you're like, Oh, I'm way further away than I thought. Yeah. And then you kind of sort of have to memorize that feeling. This is what 90 degrees bent over feels like, or uh-huh. like my arm literally straight up in the air, as opposed to like, Oh, Hey, my arm's straight up in the air. Yeah. No, uh, it's straight up in the air type yeah. of thing. That's, that's funny that you say that because, uh, before I go into this, he was in dance for a little bit. Did how many years of dance? Like two, two effectively. Yeah. I think. Cause you know, Eric, Eric's really, it just kind of goes with the flow, you know, and, um, it's the, the word, the, the fancy scientific world is word for that is proprioception. Just knowing where your body is in space, mm. because there's so many times where I'm like, okay, I want you to take your leg and, and widen your stance out. So they'll widen their stance out. All right. Now point your toes forward. And they'll, they'll, they'll move their toes forward. But they won't be but straight. But they won't be straight. And I'm like, no, 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 point them forward. And they'll actually look down and go, dang. I thought for sure that my feet were pointed straight forward. Wow. But, you know, and just, yeah. So I think I either have horrible proprioception or I'm just really fucking tall. <laughs> or one leads to the other type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you have it better than most because. It doesn't really have to do with like where my arms are, like what straight up is or anything, but like. Like when I'm moving around, like I feel like I'm just like, oh, yeah, God. I can fit yeah, through this yeah, doorway. Yeah. Oh, I'm way closer <laughs> to that. Fucking <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that judgment that you have to learn. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. I don't know. I think part of it is just because I just don't fucking pay attention. But I'm, I'm just trying to, I try to do things fast. Whenever I'm at the grocery store, I'm just like, I, this should not have to take long. Let's get this done. Yeah. <laughs> like, where is the mayo? Yeah, <laughs> I should know this. Why isn't this Winco like all the other ones? <laughs> this yeah. one's backwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's our local one. It's literally backwards. <laughs> yeah, dude, so, but you did dance for a little bit, huh? Mm-hmm. What, what was oh, that like? Cute. Uh, well, at first it was kind of filling in a requirement at the at the art school. You kind of if you're doing so. One thing I should mention real quick: uh, this elective school was uh, you did seven years at it. People like to call it Hogwarts because there's a whole bunch of fairly nerdy people there. (laughs) Um, But you start in middle school and go through high school. Only art students would come up with that. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Every kid um, there has read those books. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It was was basically a requirement. But, I mean, you could do... You yeah, could in the do social just high circles. school. Yeah, right. You could just do middle school, but the point was is that I did the seven years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you do the seven years, um, they want you part of their kind of own requirements curricularly, something like that. Nice words. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, 
is that you do a certain amount of classes in at least one of the six different art disciplines. So dance, theater, music, visual art, moving image art, and uh, literary art. Okay. And so that's the six tiles. That's actually the logo. Nice. Um, and so as a result, uh, there's also no uh, sports at the school all the, the extra money that they get because it's an elective school instead of like funding a football team and a basketball team and having something like that, would they actually fund like shows and yeah, whatnot that right. there'd be, some of them are huge in some cases. Mm-hmm. Like they did sound of music and literally like most of the auditorium was empty because so many students were involved with it when we were Sweet. viewing it. So oh, it was like, gotcha. it was like third of the students that are normally in the, the theater were actually like on stage, behind stage, up in the booth, you know, right. handling stuff backstage. Cause it was just that big of a deal. And then of course that they actually cool. sell tickets and all that stuff. But um, so then how do you have time to learn math and science? <laughs> that's, that's just part of the normal school day. And then you do all the extra stuff after school. So oh, that's right. that yeah. sounds like you're working as hard as I am now. Uh, if you go by audience. raw hours, yeah, you're doing 12 hour days at the school during a show. Yeah. I remember trying to hang out with um, you in high school and I couldn't because you're always busy. I didn't, I wasn't nearly as dedicated to some of the people there. Right, right. Some of the actors actually have to start on the show way earlier than anyone. I did like tech and backstage work. Like I, I ran sound. Right. Yeah. Um, I did a couple of shows, but um, the actors would actually start like months in advance, just start rehearsing the shit out of it, working right. with each other, getting comfortable with each other, getting into their characters essentially before. And the soonest we would start is that we'd start like building the set and whatnot and shop after school. Um, and then we'd actually build it on the stage, wherever that was either up in, we had like a black box and then we actually have the actual uh, Royal Durst theater, right? A little more typical or what you'd expect. And then put the stage together there and then you'd start having tech rehearsals and then you'd actually do dress and then you'd do the show for like two weeks and then you have to tear everything down and then there's a cast party and then on to the next one. <clears throat> That's pretty cool. That sounds way more fun than what I was doing in I high know. school. Seriously, like just being homeschooled, I was like, "Get me out of here! I'm so done with this. I want to, I want to hang out with my friends. I'm bored." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back back to why on earth I was doing dance. Yeah, yes, there you um, go. <laughs> sure, bringing it back. Uh, yeah, so I. I was going through like in middle school, I kind of had the plan that I would, I would get through all the stuff that I wasn't planning on doing like seriously right out of the gate. You know, that was, that was pretty much the smart thing to do. Cause then after you got all, they have what they call explore classes. So it's like, they're literally there just so you can just meet the minimum requirement for the school's curriculum okay. before you actually start dedicating your time to one or two of the, uh, of the selected disciplines. And so, disciplines. yeah. Um, so they didn't have physical education in high school. So a way to fulfill that, so you could actually do, I think there's like a state requirement or something, right? Uh, was to take dance, you know, physical movement and all that, and yeah. you're kind of working out every day to, or every time you had dance class. So they counted it. And so that's typically you'd wait till high school to start taking dance as a result if you're doing it that way. So that's what I did freshman year. I got into Dance Explorer. Um, it's like the only dance class that has more than three guys in it because <laughs> we're all there for the same reason or just getting it out of the way. Um, yep, gotta graduate. And then I kind of found, I had a little bit of an affinity for that. What was that word again? The proprioception. Proprioception. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
I haven't heard it before today. So you're like, oh, I'm actually pretty good. Yeah, he's good. So I was, I was picking up on it and, you know, I kind of started sticking out a little bit. And so the next year I, at the same time I had started recording arts as they call it, which is kind of a subset of music and what allowed me to kind of learn about all the technical stuff. Yeah. Um, and I started doing that because of silver remains. Yeah. Um, but, but I think I remember at one point you were saying silver remains wasn't really the type of music you wanted to be playing and you'd rather be doing the stuff that you were doing with. Electric Company or whatever. Uh, electric Carnival. Electric Carnival. Electric Company. Electric Company. Yeah. <laughs> electric Disney. So I'm trying to remember when I said that because I I don't I don't specifically remember saying that. I remember I told Electric Carnival that Silver Remains was like oh that was the one that I was serious about yeah and that was a side piece. But Electric Carnival um, wasn't so aggressive musically. Yeah, I think you were saying that you you were actually making more money with <clears throat> Electric Carnival and stuff at the time. Yeah. Oh, well, I was gigging a lot more regularly yeah. because of that. Yeah. Because the music was naturally wasn't so loud and it was easy to scale down. It was a more right. indie rock, indie pop rock right. type of thing Definitely. going on. There's more opportunities to play. Yes. Yeah. A lot more people are willing to let you in the door because it's like they're actually willing to listen to it for one. That's right. a really good and, point. And uh, it's, it's not like constant d- distortion and as loud as you can all the time type of thing like you'd find at Hawthorne or... Right. Like analog was right. another place that did a lot of that. Um, so they, we were like, it literally got to the point where I was just, I got home one night and they called me and they're like, uh, you know, we have a show tonight. And I'm like, Oh snap. And grabbed my <laughs> stuff and just went on down and knocked it out. Type of thing. And it was like, it was, we were getting that many shows type of thing. <clears throat> and to be honest, that was also, um, that band was started from a man that, came to the school later on a little younger than I am, uh, Miles Hewitt, very, he was, he was like born to be a singer songwriter. I swear oh, the dude, okay. dude loved panning out, uh, uh, chord sheets and, and lyric sheets. And he very much was like sought after the Beatles kind of like he looked up to them and, um, had a very interesting creative mind. And so him and I, he actually, uh, started hearing about like me playing and asked me, Hey, do you want to jam sometime? Eventually, we got more members as we started taking it more seriously. And then that's, that's when all that happened. Cool. Man. But that was, that was kind of an interesting thing. Cause I didn't head that one as yeah. much. I was definitely part of the creative process, but uh-huh. I wasn't like writing the material. Like it was very much a more traditional, like songwriter would come in, we jam on it. We talk about more specific stuff that we wanted to do back and forth. We did some riffs and whatnot here and there, uh-huh. but it was really just, it was a very relaxed, very comfortable, um, uh, project so to speak or band. yeah yeah dude that's what i f- kind of i feel like i might be more comfortable writing music like that mm-hmm. sometimes but <clears throat> well, at least now with all the shit that i've worked on mm-hmm. right plus just being able to be flexible with everything you know not having to because you know silver remains had one volume it was just all out. And if you tried to downscale it, you you could probably argue that there's an acoustic version of it, but at the same time, you have to rewrite it. We'd, we'd have to start over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, because we did that once, we went to a coffee shop and played like I played Cajon, mm-hmm. 
acoustic. I think we tried it like one or two times. Yeah. Yeah, just like that one time. What was it? Where was that one at? It was like in Newburgh. Yeah. Like we attempted to put together a tour show, but like no one was the only one that came <laughs> No one would actually put us on the schedule. Yeah. So plus I, most of the time we we call them like, hey, so we want to we're still remains, here's our stuff. Uh can we play a show at your place? We're putting a tour together. And they're like, uh, we don't do live music anymore. That was yeah. that was the, like ninety percent, and the other ones were voicemails, and then the one percent. Let me go find my manager, and then you yeah, you, know, you never never found back. the manager, yeah. which was frustrating. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I guess that's how it is. When you're trying to put together your first tour. Yeah, man, that's that's how it goes. If you think about it, like when you're a band, you're a company. Yep. You know, and companies have cold calls, hundreds of thousands of people working for them. Yeah. You know, eight hours a day. Yeah. So there's fucking work that has to be done to get, you know, things into the mainstream of, yeah. of what's popular. Yeah. That was, that was kind of a hard reality that I found. <laughs> yes. That's when we kind of realized we're not making any money, still living at mom's house. And, um, we got to work. And put a lot more time into this than we actually are putting into in, into this. Yeah. In order to see something going, and um, <laughs> we just weren't ready for that. No, we weren't. We weren't ready for that. You know, and I don't think we didn't have a person. Or I think Michael was the only person who had kind of this business mindset, yeah. and he he was Austin gone. started pushing that more later on. Yeah. Yeah. Austin at the end started to develop that. You know, yeah, I started um, to realize how shit moves today. That's through right. social media. But uh, we needed, we needed more of that. I think in the beginning, yeah, you know, to try to start pushing in that direction of being okay. We're all talented. We've got our album recorded, and we could play a live show. But now we need to start, you know, doing like the business side, really focusing on that, figuring out what that looks like. Yeah. yeah. And nobody really knew what to do at that point. No. You know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Michael told us from the beginning, he was like, this is just, I'm just going to do this through high school and college and then right. I'm going to get yeah. married and start a family. Yeah. That was, that was always his plan. Yeah. It's just, he's going to give himself so much time and yeah, I, I think there's a certain point where you do have to kind of set certain limits for yourself. Yeah. Cause it's like, you could say that like just being like an athlete is also another really good example. And it's a little bit more physically limited because like a professional football player, especially depending on the position you play, like you get like, I'm halfway through someone's career at my age. Right. Like you're, you're middle-aged in football at 26, 27 type of thing. Like you're a little on the younger side, but you're still like, you're not a rookie anymore in football. You get to 30, man. You're old. Dude, you're, you're going to struggle getting the paycheck after that. They might, if your contract goes up, you just might not get another offer after that Uh point. And that's, That's that's all you got. Yeah, that is true. So, um, I think there's a certain point that it's like, you can't just wait forever for a breakout type of thing. Like you got to give yourself a certain amount of time, give it all you got in that period of time. And either that's what you're there to do. Yeah. Or maybe it's time to think about changing gears. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You can't just, I mean, there are some people like, was there anybody who's like, didn't make, get their big break until like 30 or 35. Do you know that you know of? 
Not really. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is Russ, the rapper. But he, like, by the time he got his big break, which big break back in the day when we were recording music probably mm. would have been getting a deal with a record label. Mm. Right. Right. But he had already put 11 albums out and already generated attention around what he was doing on social media. He was already making okay. tons of money from streams and from YouTube and Instagram and stuff, selling his own merch. And then he signed a deal with a record label and it was just kind of like this 50, 50 partnership was just like, okay, now you guys can help me do this part of yeah. what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And at that point you're already pretty self-sufficient. Yeah. Like you might be able to generate some more income, but you know, um, and he already made it by that point, basically. Yeah, just, basically. Just yeah. from a technical standpoint, you're already in a career. Yeah, at that exactly. Rate. So, um, exactly. I think, shoot, there's uh, there's one band that I'm trying to remember which one it is. It was like a big deal type of thing. I think Jimmy Eat World and their song The Middle is kind of the only other example I can think that comes close to this, that they were like, that they wrote that song as kind of their like, okay, this is all we got left type of thing oh and it really? was like you know what things will things will move on but you know maybe it's not it's not meant to be we're not meant to do this oh, for a living type of thing dang. and then it blew up they're still not headlining anything but they're still going right now yeah because they're about ready to call quits yeah dang. They, were, they were like just they, they weren't getting bites on anything that's crazy that's jimmy eats world jimmy eats world yeah and their song which was in rock band the middle um, oh, right. Yeah. I remember that you'll, you'll recognize it when you hear it. That. Mm -hmm. um, That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Well, let me play one of my songs here. Do it. Um, I can't remember which one I want to do. I think I want to do this one. So, this is Corey. I've played some of her songs before. This is her newest song. It's kind of about the coronavirus and uh, how people are saying we should be opening back, opening shit back up and stuff. And uh, oh. she's just saying, "Are we ready? Are we? Is, are we sure that's the right thing to do right now?" Yeah. And um, she said she listens to the podcast. Nice. All the time. So thank you, Corey. Hi, Corey. You're the best. And so I figured I'd play that one. That's great. On, uh, on the pod today. Um, one of our other listeners asked us to talk about how we can be encouraging each other during these tough times. Well, right now, the main thing that I can think of is that every, everything is so polarized right now. It's either this side or this side. You know, there's no middle ground. It's it's either you're an angel or you're the Antichrist, you know. You're just, or you're part of the problem if you're or, yeah, exactly. yeah. Or, yeah, and if you don't have an opinion or you don't want to contribute, you're the issue, you know. So, um, and it's just something that I would think about. It's just like this idea of like, we everybody has their own opinion. You know, and if you view everybody who doesn't have share your same opinion as a threat, mm -hmm. then there's absolutely no way that 
any of us are going to make it through this. It's true. You know, so to be encouraging and to be uplifting to other people is acknowledge their views, acknowledge what they see, what they think, right? And then just say what you have to say. And if there's a little discussion, do your best to keep it civilized. Yeah. But at the end of the day, don't hate each other because they believe something different than you do. Yeah. Just learn from view that as a learning opportunity yeah. to learn from somebody else to be able to see the opposing view and have a you know like educating conversation between you right. as opposed to just like trying to shut the other person down because that's you got you're both going to leave feeling terrible and nobody's yeah. going to be hurt yeah. and if you're not willing to listen <laughs> the same way you want other people to listen to you I right. have a feeling you might be going about it a little bit of the wrong way that you're trying to shove something down someone's throat. Right. You're not willing to take anything back. That's big. So it's really just down to insecurity at that point. Yeah. Right. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I think, you know, that, that kind of speaks to part of the things that have been to some of the things that have been making this year, 2020. So rough for the world. Um, and, uh, I think outside of the coronavirus, we have lots of people who are depressed. Um, and you know, when stuff like this happens, it can take those feelings that, that people have, uh, that they, they, they go over in their head already yeah, already and kind of amplify it and go, Oh my gosh, like I'm not like all this stuff in my head that I've been dealing with over these last few months, you know, or whatever years, this is this now, now my whole outside world is fucked up too. And now everybody's, you know, falling off. Everybody's, you know, depression's getting worse. The economy's getting worse. People are getting sick and dying. And two of my friends just committed suicide recently. And, uh, or one of my close friends and somebody who I knew when I was younger and uh, just two people that were just way too young, way too young to go. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there's not a whole lot any, any one person can do to, to help with what's going on here. I think everybody should be wearing their mask. I think everybody should be using hand sanitizer and that's cool. But, you know, with the protests and stuff and, 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 racism and some of the other things that have been going on in this country there's there's not there's not much any any one person can do but if we all come together and realize that we're all in this together you know and use our skills and our strengths to our advantage like i know i have a bunch of charities that i want to donate to and if i make a million dollars off of music you know and i want to write music about things that help people who are depressed and help people who are you know, who want to do something great in life. Yeah. That's a big <clears throat> function of music nowadays. For yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. I think we should all be making more art. I think artists really, you know, have a lot of power to help relate to people and, and, you know, help bring the vibe up a little bit. This one guy I just was working with was, he's building a whole brand around tacos. Tacos. <laughs> and we're making this song, this theme song for it called Taco Porn. <laughs> okay and it's like 
crunch me, fold me, flip me, hold me, <laughs> take little, me in your mouth. A little Daft Punk-esque type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But anyways, so I wanted to um, say rest in peace to my buddy Ethan and my homegirl Josie. I hope y'all are doing well out there. Um, and here's a song that me and Lewis are working on for uh, my buddy Ethan who passed away. It's a hip hop song, so it's a hip hop beat, but we use live instruments to recreate a YouTube beat. Cause Lewis kind of had the idea for the song, but he's having to buy a whole bunch of beats for the album he's making now, and he doesn't want to do that anymore. So he was like, you should make something for this. Getting crafty. Lewis is going to rap on that and we're nice. going to dedicate it to our homie Ethan. It's good, man. So that's exciting. And also, uh, Mariah Carey just came out with a song called Save the Day that is about um, just pushing forward and, and bringing each other up and, and, you know, fighting against evil. And the lyric, I wanted to read the lyrics on here. It says, you got, you got a right to your own opinion. But when it comes to the world we live in, isn't it time that we start rebuilding? All of the things that make me crumble. We all tend to forget that we all cease to exist if we all live for ourselves. If nobody bothers to find a solution. And the chorus is, if he won't and she won't and they won't, then we won't. We won't ever learn to save the day. If he won't, then she won't and they won't, then we won't. We won't ever learn to save the day. Hmm. I just kind of, I think that kind of, that kind of ties a nice little bow tie on top of everything we just sort of unpacked for the last 15 (laughs) minutes. That's that's about right, yeah. So thanks, Mariah Carey. (laughs) And thank you to Justin for suggesting that topic. That's great, yeah. Well, Eric, you know, I don't fucking blame you for not wanting to uh, get into the music industry and, and wanting to do mechanics instead because it's hard out here Yeah, in the music industry. These people are fucking assholes, dude. <laughs> they are just really, really tough to work with. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one of the not so great things about creative types I've learned is... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, because yeah. like I've written stuff and we've had spats back and forth. That's that's part of the creative process. I know yeah. Devin's thrown shit at me before. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and and that was just trying to make sure that we got everything right. But yeah, it was tension. Yeah. But no, it's you can get a little stubborn with your stuff, and then when you bring it to somebody else, and they're like, "Well, what about this?" and everything, and you just you're not ready. Yeah, and then you lash, and that's yep. that's not helpful at yeah. all. Yeah, you gotta. That's that's the hardest part about yeah. you know because when you create something, it's different than just like finding something and saying, "Hey, I found this article or I found this song. What do you think about it?" And if the other person doesn't like it, maybe you feel a little bit, you know, kind of a little ding personally. Yeah, yeah. but if it's something that you created, came out of your own brain 
from your emotions, from your you know soul or whatever, and you then you bear it to somebody, and it's met with criticism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crushing. Yeah, and it just it is crushing, a dude. way different way than like anything. That's why we talked about the ugly baby, dude. Yeah, it's okay to have an ugly baby. It's okay to have an ugly. Your baby. song sucks. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, doesn't mean you suck. Your song sucks. Now let's refine it into something better. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. know some of the artists watching, or some of the artists that listen are probably like, "Who's he talking about? <laughs> Is it me? Is it me? Am I the problem?" But oh, you no, are. I mean, I wouldn't say any. <laughs> I never really had, I haven't had too many problems with people that have been beat, honestly. I, I'm good. more referring to some of the people in the past that have screwed me over mm. uh, when I talk about that. But, you know, you never know. You never know who you're going to get in the studio. It might be a guy who wants to make a funny song about tacos and have a good time. And go. it might be, you know, <laughs> some fucking asshole who... You know, really thinks like that's the good stuff. Yeah, and it's just like, it's, it's all out of whack. It's gonna make me famous. <laughs> you got to know it what is. is important yeah. in music, and like nobody, nobody is gonna listen to your song and see it from the same perspective that you did when you wrote it, because they weren't there in that moment when that inspiration hit you. Mm. You know, or like whatever story you're telling in that song, like like that's what's special about it. And if somebody else doesn't like it, like you know, that's that, that that's a whole nother part of music. I make music, I have to remind myself constantly because I guess I'm not 100% this way. I have to kind of convince myself that I am, but like it doesn't matter what other people think about my music. My music is therapeutic, you know, and I write music for me because to help me through my own shit, mm. you know, to write it down and make it in a song and, and hear it played back to me and feel all the emotion that I put into it and it, it feels like it's coming from another person, you know? So it's easier to look at it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You put it, you put it down on something that it plays back to you and now it's not coming from you necessarily. Yeah. Um, right. That's kind of why I'm yeah. happy to be in the position that I am at Bent Beat. Cause like, I, I really want to work on some of my, uh, some more of my own music, but at least my living doesn't depend on my own music yeah, right now. It's, yeah. it's right, other people's yeah, music. There you go. It's on other yeah. people. Well, it's, it's more of a uh, diversification if you look at it from a stock's point of view. But Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a not putting all your eggs in one basket, but right. still being all in on the music industry. Yeah, so that's, exactly. That's, that's a good so that's way cool. to do it. I've been investing in stocks lately, too. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah, we should talk I, about that. I need to get back into that. Yeah, you did a few of those. I did a few of those. But, Which stocks did you invest in? Um, I was going between. I went after Nintendo, if Ooh. I remember correctly. Is that an expensive one? I don't think they're too bad. Oh. Um, I remember I I did it <laughs> into the corporation that we get our trucks from at work too, there because at the time I knew, hey, the field that these trucks work in is burgeoning right now 811 and all that everyone's getting all crazy about pipelines mm. neighborhoods are going in everywhere so they have to dig all that stuff all the time so we're selling trucks like crazy and i'm like this Real is quick. on the up explain what you do oh um, yeah currently, currently yeah so i'm i still wrench <laughs> as he mentioned being a mechanic yes. but i don't work on cars anymore um i work on street sweepers and well we'll say 
hydro excavators and combo trucks. If you know what those are, sweet. Uh, if not, there's Google. Yeah, there's Google. Um, hydro excavators, basically giant vacuum machines and they have like a really high end pressure washer on them. And you essentially just pressure wash the dirt till it comes apart. Then you suck it up. So as a result, you can dig, you know, really precise holes without like blowing open electrical lines and pipelines and stuff like that. So instead of taking a bucket and like literally blowing up a neighborhood, um, you can actually see where those are at by using a hydro excavator. So with new construction, those things are going all over the place. Contractors can't get enough of them. Cities can't get enough of them. It's the way of the future. That's, that's why I invested in in, uh, federal signal. Cool. And uh, they were, they like doubled. Well, you could say the same thing about cars, right? (laughs) To a certain extent, but you have to go, uh, cars, you have to go like company by company by company. So you actually Mm -hmm. have to look at like, what is Ford doing? What is General Motors doing? What is Nissan doing? I don't know. I I think Nissan and Subaru. Yeah, they are uh, traded in the stock market. Um, but you have to pay attention to what they're doing individually. It's not necessarily like the entirety of the cars, uh, the automotive market is like doing really well. Um, some of them don't make the best choices and kind of fall behind. Tesla is a really good example of one that's kind of exploded a little bit. And then right. they go like crazy. Like as soon as Elon Musk touches a joint, a bunch of people get all like, what's going on? And then like <laughs> you, you lose a third of that gigantic stock price for some reason. Yeah. And it builds back up and probably gets back there. But Mm. that's what i think my buddy one of my buddies who got really into stocks for a little bit and made a pretty good amount of money in a short amount of time yeah he invested in tesla and that's probably why he did it Mm -hmm. was when it dropped after right there so it dropped when he smoked the joint i would think it would go up it it dropped dropped. i think because enough of the people that trade that are like literally like live in um uh, Wall Street, yeah, um, probably are still old fashioned and see that as like you know devil's lettuce. Yeah, it, it really well, nobody driving up. a Tesla, yeah, is probably going to be smoking weed. No, but up. most of the investors may not be. Uh oh, wow. we just lost video. Just lost the video. Oh, why? Because when we plugged it in, it was. Did somebody unplug the charger? So it was charging off the computer, I think. It was. It's we'll not figure it out. It's not charging anymore. Yeah. Anyways. Damn, we were so close. Yeah. So dang close. Well, Should we just keep the audio going? Probably. Just put the, the logo up? Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Eric, thanks for joining us this episode. Everybody give it up for Eric. Yeah. And one more round of applause for Mariah Carey. <laughs> You want me to hit him with the outro? Yeah, you want to hit, show you want us what's to, up, bro. Dude, I'm going to try, man. It's hard. It is difficult. I'm not much better at it than you are, bro. Well, you know, I've only <laughs> done it once. <laughs> All right, guys. So here's what you got to do. Camera's not working. Not working. Go find us on our social media and give us a follow. That's right. I already fucked it up. It's all good. <laughs> Where can they find us, Austin? Go find us on social media. Yeah. And give us a follow. Send us your questions. You can at, find us at Pod Heaven Austin Devin on Instagram yeah. or Facebook. You can also tweet us at Pod Heaven AD. If you watch us on YouTube, drop a like and subscribe for more. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Because of the best. 
We sure love you guys. See you next week. Anyone who's listening, we love you. <laughs> Any last words, Eric? Last words. Where can they find you on social media? <laughs> Nowhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm out there. I'm not. I'm not a content creator, though. Yeah. I'm. Guys, let us know if you want to see Eric on more episodes. Show him the love. Tell him I how great his drinks. beard is. Yes. I do mix drinks. Yes. yes. We are going to do that video. We got to do that video. Yeah. Make that happen. Where are we at with that? Is it up to me now? Is it in my court? Because I, I don't even... I can't even remember what happened to that. Why it's not out yet. <laughs> We're going to have more cool shit coming out later. Stay tuned. Peace.